Welcome to Until It's Gone, a podcast where the conversation ends when the coffee runs out. This podcast is hosted by Cole Hammontree and Nate Morris, two dudes from Grand Rapids, Michigan, who love coffee and love Jesus. We hope and pray that this podcast will encourage you in your walk with the Lord. And thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. Now, join us over a cup of coffee as we chat until it's gone. You don't screen the whole thing, and that's just a lot of work, especially yeah. if you want to do weekly. I will say that might suck the fun out of it pretty quick. Yeah. Because you're going to like record episodes, and then they're going to make you can't use this. I know. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I pursued doing it outside of the brand and kind of building your own brand and your own story a little bit, mm-hmm. which we can talk about maybe today. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of power in... I mean, identifying what you stand for and then building a story around it, um, which I think is what maybe it's what you guys are doing with this and hearing other people's stories. Mm. So, yeah, we definitely like it was a we had so many conversations about different like spiritual things. And I think that is akin to like what you're saying is like we we saw a need, uh, a need air quotes. Yeah. Uh, but like. We saw something of importance and something of value that we could give like to people who might listen to a conversation. The world needs you, IG. <laughs> and roll the intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a quick... Uh, Heck yeah. Quick photo. My, my buddy's yeah. just going to get such a kick out of this. It's a good time. Coffee me. So while Nate's pouring, yep, I will address the fact to all of our listeners that we do not have video for this episode, and I we have pseudo decided as of this morning and last night that uh, we love our audience so 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 much, but it takes a lot of work to do video to do video well. Uh, how we were doing it, which is how we would want to continue to do it. And not lower the bar on that. Um, thank you, sir. Um, because it takes so much input uh, and we're not in a place to continue to pour time into um, the whole video scene is that we're going to take a pause on doing video uh, for right now. Setting up three cameras, lights on top of audio uh, is a lot for an early, early morning as well as editing in the post-production side of that. So it's not it's not that we don't want to do it. It, it takes like probably four times longer per episode than it did. Yeah. Like wow. for, for just audio mm-hmm. to put that in perspective a little bit. Yeah. And that's not even really counting uh, like editing. Right. That, that's just like set up, tear down. Yeah. And production. Moving gear around. Yeah. So... Uh, and like I said, if we were at a different place where we could actually push our YouTube channel and push that stuff and cut reels from every episode, we can, we could already do that with all of the episodes that we have. And, and really like, um, I think that it's 
maybe the bigger decision, even outside of the extra work that it is, is like the fun that we're having on the podcast, like, and wanting to keep this like something that's just so enjoyable and like we're looking forward to versus just be, yeah. like adding work to our workload. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So um, we're really doing it to remain honest yeah. and like have integrity about like what we're doing here. Absolutely. Like, and I think versus burnout, you know? Absolutely. Right. And that's the other side of like, we were both in a very busy season right now and yeah. it takes a lot to do that well. Um, to do the podcast well on top of everything else and all of our other responsibilities. Um, and again, it's not that we don't want to do it. It's just that we're looking at our ROI and, and like <laughs> what is uh, of value and what is, what is giving value. And we do feel like that video adds, but the value that it's adding at least right now is not uh, like we aren't capable to continue to make that happen on a day in day out basis. Well, let's be honest. Which one of you guys are listening? It's like one of you, like or like uh, watching, watching. Every, yeah. You know, most people just listen, anyways. And so. Nate and I were saying we don't watch. I know. Like, <laughs> we don't watch other podcasts. You know, like it's cool and it's great that we have the capability to do that. Um, but also, if like if you want to see what we look like, go l watch one of the ones with <laughs> video. I feel uh, like Google us <laughs> when it comes to watching. It's like. You're 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 watching an eighth of what you're listening to, so it's like you're watching the whole thing. But then every like once in a while you turn and you're like, yeah, oh, I'm gonna watch like 15 seconds. Well, and even and if you're really like trying to multitask it and like have it on even like a second screen, or like if I propped my iPad up next to my desktop as I'm responding to emails, like, a that's just hard for me to do. Like I can't even listen to a podcast, let alone watch one like on the side. But your brain is just like so split with mm -hmm. doing that and it's yeah. like i can't i can't do it well like it's kind of cool to have something in the background playing but again like i'm not listening which is a whole point like it's not a tv show that right. you're watching it's a podcast so if we can afford to like hire someone to handle that extra workload someday and still provide that for you guys and it seems worth yeah. it we'll do it yeah cole cole really had to convince me of this by the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> last night we were, we got home from a show and we were like, you were like, should I help you bring some stuff up for the podcast? And I was like, well, what about like, what do you want? And then he was talking about like what lights and stuff he wants to grab. And then you were like, well, I have some thoughts about like, you know, grabbing those lights. Like we might not need to grab those lights or something. And I was like, do you just not want to do video? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Cause oh, like, I mean, great. we kind of sense, I think we both probably sensed that it was just yeah, a lot of pressure. So yeah. Anyways. All of those caveats aside, we're happy to be here this morning. We are. We're, we're still super happy to do this um, and just connect with you guys. Um, and how we, how we always do. We have a special guest this morning. We do. We do. Welcome, Blake Hildenbrand. Hildenbrand. I got it right. You got it right. Not Hilda Brand. Not Hilda Brand. All y'all get that right. Yep. Quit Hilden it with Brand. the Hilda. Yeah. <laughs> get that crap out of here. <laughs> Uh, uh no thank you thanks for inviting me on it's a, of course it's a privilege to be here it's a sweet space mm -hmm. obviously the viewers can't see it as we just as we just discussed. go like at the last yeah episode they have, they have references <laughs> yeah we're right in that same spot we are we're still on the couch blake's in the spot where the guest always sits with the microphone that the guest always uses <laughs> men of routine picture didn't happen men of routine i like that blake yeah. knows what's up yeah. um uh, Blake is a mutual friend, uh, Cornerstone, 
alum um, and following the Lord. Yes, sir. It's it's been cool to, we, you and I have connected more so post-college, which Mm -hmm. has been really cool. Have some mutual friends, Logan and Kaylee Johns, uh, Logan and Lindsay Chag. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, here we are. Blake and I got coffee, what, like a month ago Mm -hmm. at Madcap. And uh, we basically had a podcast episode. And I was like, you want to come on the podcast? Because <laughs> everything that we're talking about is would be A, super valuable, but B, stuff like we kind of already talk about on the podcast. So yeah. we connected and then just kept chatting about the podcast and about different things too. But um, here we are. So welcome, Blake. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. guys. Kids. <laughs> and to clarify, we went to Madcap. You got a coffee. I got a hot chocolate. You got a bomb hot chocolate though. Wow. I tried it and it was very good. Wow. It was like mocha. I don't like even know. Powder probably. Probably. It, yeah. There's no way it was healthy, but it was so, <laughs> so tasty. It was it's so like drinking uh, a bar of of Hershey chocolate. It, it, had, it had latte art on it. Yeah. It was sick. <laughs> so good. Yeah. It was probably a very akin to a mocha. I'm cu- well, I'm curious because yeah, it's like a uh, craft hot chocolate is like yeah, mocha powder and like sometimes vanilla bean like mm-hmm. powder, mm-hmm. and then good milk, yeah, and steamed well steamed, and stuff, yeah, yeah, mixed in there well. It's super good. That's great. Yeah, it's nice. Hot chocolate season, huh? <laughs> was Not that yet. like July? <laughs> that was July. Yeah. <laughs> it was hot. It was like 95 degrees. Yeah. So like, I'm gonna get a hot. Chocolate. I got an iced coffee and he gets a hot chocolate. <laughs> Sit, uh, by the, sit by the window and stare outside into the summer heat. Yeah, yeah. you're like sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll drink coffee, and for a short stint there, I, I did coffee quite frequently. But I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't love the taste of it. And then I'm like avoiding the taste by adding sugar and and chocolate and and all the things. And you mix caffeine with a whole bunch of sugar, and it's mm. like the crash is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so absolutely it works against you rather than rather than for you it does definitely I mean you gotta be careful it is like you know like we drink black coffee we try to and that's gives us an excuse because it's cleaner yeah <laughs> it's not diesel it's unleaded <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah absolutely like even yeah, the caffeine like I'll still feel like it's interesting like depending on the roast and like where I get coffee from like even local places I'll feel it in my heart and in my chest sometimes. And, but other times I'm like totally fine. And I know what those places are. And I think it's just the coffee that they use. Wow. And how they brew it. I was going to say, Blake, Blake's uh, drinking a Tesla. He's not drinking <laughs> <laughs> diesel or unleaded uh-huh. yeah. water. Yeah. It's just yeah. pure. pure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like zero emission coffee. <laughs> zero emission. Yeah. Net yeah. zero. <laughs> Purified water. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Well, here we are. Um, we're going to do the podcast thing and have an open conversation. Here, here's some of Blake's story. And it's going to be where we, wherever we end up is going to be wherever we end up. So I'm it. curious because, like, obviously we've chatted, like, just at get togethers and stuff, but like, could you just tell me like kind of what your story is? Totally. Who are you, man? Yeah. It's a great place to start. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll get into this, but uh, I actually got baptized on Sunday, which we'll talk about. Congrats. It was Ew, really so good. Let's yes, go. So good. 
Um, but that allowed me the opportunity to reflect on that question. Mm. It's like, who am I? Wow. What am I doing? Where are my feet? Where am I headed? Uh, which is a really beautiful wrestling to be in with yourself and with the Lord. But who am I? So born and raised in, in Holland, Michigan, um, more specifically Zealand, and then moved to Holland about four years ago. Sports was always the thing for me. So competitive by nature. That was always my outlet. Basketball was kind of my first love. So loved loved the sports scene and I've always been very entrepreneurial minded, kind of a businessman by nature. Um, great family, one older sister, all local family here in, in the area. My dad was raised on a dairy farm. Um, and then my mom's side are all businessmen as well. So both my uncles are financial advisors. Um, and now I'm joining the business as well, which we'll get into. But yeah, kind of just a traditional raised in a Christian church kind of story. Great family, kind of won the lottery with the family and um, have been raised knowing the faith and um, as of recently making my faith my own. But graduated from Zealand East High School with a, with a great friend group in 2018. Shortly after that, I was wrestling with where to go to school. So I guess I hadn't graduated yet, but it was spring of my senior year. Basketball's done. Uh, no real college offers. And uh, full transparency, didn't didn't test well. Okay, so I, at one point in the wintertime, I'm sitting down with my parents like, is college on the scene for you? Like, grades were decent. Exams, SAT, ACT, or whatever they are, didn't go well. And then the Lord, and then the Lord just swings in. And it's like, he orchestrated this beautiful story. And so how that story goes is done with basketball. And at that point done, done with athletics forever, technically. And then my dad and my mom are like, well, what if you just go try out for track, track and field? And I had done track my freshman year of high school. I was a very late bloomer. And so I was, I was very unathletic, had a horrible experience. Just, I was like, I'm never running track again. Um, things changed athletically for me and, and I became a little bit better of an athlete. I wasn't an all-star by any means, but my mom's like, just go do it for the social event. And so I joined this track team, my high school track team. And one thing led to the next and I ended up competing at state, um, which is just a God thing. It, it kind of just jumped in, started to love it. Um, and it kind of fueled that competitive side of me. And, and so I, got a call from Cornerstone with a scholarship offer. And shortly after that, I had a discussion with Coach Elders, who's the, the men's basketball coach there. He coached my uncle, my uncle Mark, to a national championship. Um, and so my uncle's a Hall of Fame player there, and he knew of me. I, I grew up going to his basketball camps at a young age. And so... I had a discussion with him and he basically offered me like a walk on JV spot. So like, Hey, like, Hey Blake, I got one Jersey left in the bag kind of deal. Like if you want to come <laughs> show up, we'll take you. Sick. So they gave me a, a really small little scholarship and I ended up being a dual sport athlete at Cornerstone of all places. And that was kind of one of the first moments in my life that, I was like, okay, God, like these are doors I could not have opened and they have roots that 
go so far back that I literally wasn't even mature enough to recognize this as an opportunity. And yet you're swinging doors wide open and I'm just stepping into what you're calling me to. And it, my time at Cornerstone was amazing. I mean, transformational for, for me as a person, um, as a man and, and as a believer. And so on the sports front, ended up playing both sports all four years, uh, was on JV for basketball for two, and then was blessed to be able to get pulled up to varsity and end up playing for Coach Elders, which was kind of a childhood dream for me. Uh, had a tremendous experience. And then, um, yeah, within that experience, I kind of got introduced to the Lord in new ways through ministries of like Met by Love and, and Every Heart and just the community at Cornerstone was just so fantastic. And the Lord was doing a special work there and I kind of got plugged in and received what the Lord had for me in those spaces and then graduated with business management degree um, with an emphasis on marketing. I don't think I got an official marketing minor and then jumped into a role at a company called Request Foods. It's a local company in Holland, Michigan, family-owned Christian company, about 1,200 employees, and yet they still uh, are a Christian company, which is fantastic. And what they do is they're a they're a food manufacturer and they're a co-packer. So what that means is they're making food to be distributed through other people's branding, like Costco, Aldi, Gordon Food Service. So they just specialize in making it. And my job was to manage the Gordon Food Service account um, with one other guy. So my territory was Michigan over to Wisconsin and then all the way down to the ocean. So Texas. So I had the whole Midwest, I guess. Um, And they kind of just threw me to the wolves, which was so good. I mean, you can't, it's very difficult to to learn how to do sales and account management by just reading about it. At some point, you just need to be face-to-face with people. So I spent eight to nine months traveling all across America. Well, I guess not fully America, but the Midwest, jumping in Gordon Food Service salesmen's cars and being a product specialist for what we make for Gordon Food Service and going on their route and pitching these restaurants and hotels and businesses on why, why choose mac and cheese made in Holland, Michigan. And so did sales pitches at places like the Amway Grand um, and high-end restaurants, funny enough. But then I also would do sales pitches in like double wides in the hills of Kentucky, like in literally no, nowhere, the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And through that, I got to learn Um, a little bit more on how to communicate with folks. But uh, it just equipped me with a lot of reps, just flexing that muscle of of sales and uh, account management. Because I'd be doing, you know, 10 to 15 different sales presentations a day. And all of them look so different. Some people I'd sit in and I'd come into the restaurant and they'd be like, yep, we got 30 minutes. Like, and here's a TV, like plug yourself in. And like, I want to know like an in-depth you know, analysis of, of what you're offering me. And then other people was like, you got 30 seconds, got 30 seconds. I'm making food. We're slammed. It's lunch. Like tell me what you have and then get out of here. So super good. Um, but that door, that door just closed. I mean, 
the Lord, the Lord was calling me to something else. And it was very evident through a series of events and my heart posture and feeling complacent and stagnant. And I, I just knew that the Lord had something else for me. And, um, through a couple of discussions with my uncle, it, it opened a door for me to join North Coast Wealth Advisors in Holland and be onboarded as a financial advisor. And um, I just know that this is where the Lord has me to be right now. And that's that's for today. And I think that's my heart posture is like, okay, Lord, I, I, I love this work and I'll do this work for 25, 30 years if that's what you call me to. But I know today that I'm a financial advisor at North Coast that's what's keeping me busy and along with other things. But if the Lord calls me out of that tomorrow, uh, my heart posture is to be obedient to that and, and see what he has for me because it's one of the biggest parts of my testimony is the Lord just guiding me in ways that I couldn't have guided myself in a supernatural Mm -hmm. way. It's like, you can't, you couldn't have possibly opened all of these doors on your own. Um, So continue to be obedient in that. Mm -hmm. So, so good. I'm going to pause quick and turn his mic down just real quick. Okay. Can you turn my headphone gain down just a smidgy? Oh. Yeah. 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 No, I got you. The, yeah, just do that. Um, cause you're fine in my ears. So you're right. Yep. Test. Test. It's better. I'll try to speak with the same audio volume as I was. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. It was all me. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you were like, the mic taking is perfect. Yeah. Most of our guests isn't, so it was louder because. Yeah. That's what we're used to. <laughs> because they don't use the mic right. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love that, uh, that mindset of, um, that's for today. Yeah. And that's one that I've had to, that's been a wrestling too. And I, I say that it's easy to say, but it's hard to do for me. Mm-hmm. I'm a perfectionist by nature. Um, I could very easily have the next 10 years of my life planned down to a T. That's just the way my mind works. It's like, let's avoid failure at all costs. And in order to do that, let's just obsess about stacking the deck in our favor. Um, and and make life as trouble free as possible. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Let's avoid things that are going to make us feel uncomfortable, which for me, that is failure. I've had a really hard time coming to terms with the fact that failure is a part of processes. Um, I had a friend of mine tell, challenge me the other day. He's like, if I told you that success, whatever success is, we'll just use monetary value in this instance. If I told you a million dollars was on the other side of 300 failures, how fast would you fail? Hmm. And if you look at every success story, most success stories, I can't make a blanket statement there, but failure is just a part of the process. And the quicker you can plow through those failures, the more learning you're going to have and the quicker you're going to get to whatever success looks like. So our saying, this is my, my friend that I record with, our, our, our saying is let's fail fast. Let's just, let's just move quick for growth. We're not failing for just no reason, but it's like, let's go let's try to move quick. Um, and if we fall flat in our face, like let's just get up and, and try it again mm-hmm. and see what the Lord has for it. But I think, you know, reflecting on Sunday when I got baptized, I got a, 
couple minutes to share my story with with the folks in the in the church and the biggest shift that I've found that the Lord has made in my life as of recently is going from religion to relationship um, instead of just checking boxes to do the right thing, but um, to, to kind of like be honoring to God or trying to earn God's love or God's grace. That's been transformed into a relationship of me wanting just to be more like Jesus, um, which has been radical for me, changes your motive a lot. And I think baked into that, the reason I bring that up is when you're trying to always do the right thing, subconsciously kind of tr- trying to honor yourself and, and God at the same time, so quickly we can take the reins and and think that our provision is better than the Lord's and just say, no, like <laughs> I got this, like watch out. I'm just, I got a path that I'm going on. Mm-hmm. And that has not proven to work for me ever. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that lesson time and time again. So mm-hmm. just trying to change the heart posture a little bit. Yeah. Very accurate. <laughs> like, I think that's also like what our culture preaches to, like our Western culture of mm. be your own person. Control. And all about control. And really, control comes from like fear of like fear of not being in control and fear of like, well, what if this happens and this happens and this happens? And uh, there's a podcast episode, and I'm sure I've mentioned it probably multiple times. <laughs> uh, by John Mark, uh, where he describes his therapist as the anti-therapist because all his therapist will do is ask him like, when do you think the ball's going to drop next? Like in your life, like as a whole, like you're going to get like, do you feel like maybe someone's going to get sick or like you're going to get in a car accident? Like there's so much that we cannot control. And we talked about this even more recently on the podcast, but that's a very healthy spot to be in. And uh, in a way of maturing and sanctification and how I think the Lord like grows us and like stretches us to be dependent on him. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't, he didn't make us to grow and then be independent, like away from him. Like it was actually, you know, if you're looking at like a line graph, it's like, as time goes on, like dependency goes up, mm. you know, and not dependency doesn't go down. Like, there's something to be said for like spiritual maturity as well as maturing like as an adult, but like we don't need God any less as we get older or as we spiritually mature than we did like when we first came to know Christ, you know, like we, I also love the idea of like never moving past the simple basic stuff of like, we never get to move past the cross. Like Mm. we can continuously always and will come back to, you know, the cross. Like if I, if I was, we're on this side of the cross. If I was on the other side of the cross, like I would be a Pharisee for sure. Like, cause Mm -hmm. you and I are very similar in the perfectionist, like mindset of like wanting that, like wanting a trouble-free life. And that's what culture preaches to us is like, do all of these things and make life as comfortable as you can. A car with air conditioning and heated seats and like, you know, a house with, you know, all these amenities and espresso machines at home and like all of this stuff. And it's like, that's not what Jesus came for. <laughs> wow. You know, like he didn't come so that you could have like a cushy life, like in Beverly Hills, <laughs> like, yeah. And, and I say Beverly Hills, but really like almost anywhere you're living with a house and a car, like you're in Beverly Hills, <laughs> you know, like Jesus says that it will be like 
the hardest for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Like we are the rich, like we're mm. in America, like, yeah. wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, like, what do we have? Like you go on like, and I do, you know, I mean, that's a whole different conversation about <laughs> mission trips and like short term mission trips and stuff. But you take away like seeing another nation, like you go to Haiti, you go to, you know, somewhere, you know, it's like desolate and like they're fighting to survive and like malnutrition is like everywhere and you come back and you have more culture shock coming back than you do going to those places. Wow. It's like, that's, that was really like well said, like, mm. it, and I think because of all of those things that we do as culture, yeah, it makes perfect sense why we by default want to take the reins and like have control. But then underneath that, we aren't realizing that we want to do that like because of fear and because we just want control like as humans being human beings like we always want like more and more and more control but yeah and it's it's well said by the way I, and i resonate with a lot of what you're saying i think we both listen to a lot of john mark yeah. um, he just came out with a new book and i'm I stoked s- i saw that <laughs> i saw that what is it um it's he's wrote it as you want to look up the title. Yeah, he wrote it as a sequel um, to Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Oh boy. Yeah, it's. I think it's about like how to disciple under Jesus or something. Yeah, it's called uh, um, practicing the way. Yeah, be with Jesus, become like him, do as he did. Mm. It's gonna be so good. Yeah. So I'm pumped for that, but I di- we di- we digress. Yeah. <laughs> me and Cole could sit here for probably hours and just Years. talk about John Mark Homer. <laughs> one um, one thing that stuck out to me, Cole, about what you were saying about our dependency increasing is thinking about how Jesus lived, like fully dependent on the Father. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he, um, not that I mean in in a physical sense, as he was fully man, he had needs like we do. Um, also fully being God at the same time, which is bizarre but um but as the model for how we are to rely on the father um he models reliance and that was Mm. where his strength was like so it's it's not a it's not a about becoming um when you rely on the father and your dependency on him increases it's not because you're becoming more like a baby it's because like you're actually allowing like the most powerful thing ever to like control your life. I mm-hmm. feel like that's a good move. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. like, you know, I, I, I want to rely on someone who's better than me. Yeah. And, um, so it's a good move to like, to increase my dependency on, on the Lord, the one who's in control of everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that like my pride or like, um, I don't want to say it's all culture. Like the human condition is to, want control and to want to feel like you have um, independence and that's good in a sense, obviously needed, but um, that's an uncommon thing to like preach is like, yeah, I'm becoming more dependent as I Mm -hmm. get older. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a weird thing to think about. I think subconsciously it's seen as weak. Exactly. We don't want to be, you want your own car, your own house, everything. Like I'm not depending on my parents anymore. I'm my own person. Yep. Um, Like, but that, that's, a really good thought that's mm-hmm. kind of anti just yeah. advancement in society. I even know? think about too, of like, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Uh, 
But when that happens, that is going to be a whole new level of dependence for God to take care of them of like, I can't do that. Like you are their provider way more than I can and, or like will ever Mm -hmm. be. And it's, it's like a continuous giving of the new relationships and the new things that happen in your life, like back to him. And that's interesting. Like, I, I feel like you could see it both ways of like Jesus continuing to model like an increase of dependence on the father, but also like he was always fully dependent because he's perfect. Right. Like he I mean, almost does both. It's not a perfect <laughs> metaphor. Like we aren't Jesus. So no, it's like, that's good. Though. But, but yeah. And like knowing that he also like has the full power to command heaven at any moment, right. but at the same time, like, like was relying on the Lord, um, just constantly through prayer. And, um, obviously like the, the one who they are like still separate persons. So like there is a, a relationship there, right. Um, being one, but also in relationship. Yeah. So looking at the relationship side of that, I think, um, obviously like that example is just, it's, it's cool. radical too though. Right. Like, like it's so anti mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That, yeah, that was good. All good things. <laughs> I love that. You're adjusting. Should we pause? You're good. No, you're fine. <laughs> like, hey, man. <laughs> I think the other thing, just to kind of branch off of that, I think, I mean, that's a great point, Nate. Um, that's kind of mind boggling to even try to wrap your head around it all. But the other thing that I think is just kind of blows my mind is how often the Lord goes to a quiet place to pray. Mm -hmm. And I think when things get difficult in society now, the world says, put the throttle down more, (laughs) like Mm. do more, work harder, Mm -hmm. work harder, fill in the blank. There's a lot of different things we could say on that. But so often we see the Lord go off to a quiet place and, and reconnect with the father and, um, submit himself. Yeah. Resubmit himself, increase dependency. Well, that was like, that was the cross, right? It was like, he could command angels to like come down, but yet he still chose. It was still a choice for him to depend and be like, not your will, not my will, but yours be yeah. done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point in terms of, like practical living in, in a stage that kind of we're in of like being young guys, trying to, trying to advance, trying to further the things we have going, which isn't a negative in and of itself. We're all very achiever mindset. Yeah. Um, but recognizing that that retreat to the quiet place, that continual dependence, um, might get in the way of like optimization Mm. or like, efficiency yeah yeah it's christianity is not an efficient lifestyle yeah and i don't think god is always concerned with efficiency either no (laughs) no right and that comes with like even how jesus interacted with people and this is um maybe a good segue into another part of the conversation but like um he always had time for interruptions for people um he was approachable and there was a, um, I, I forget where I heard it, but it's that idea of like seeing Jesus get interrupted. Either he's walking to go like heal someone and get stopped like in the middle of the street 
with the woman and she wants to touch his cloak and stuff. But like, it's, uh, there was like an idea around that of, um, that kind of shows your inner person more, uh, is how you respond to interruptions. Like how, like how you deal with that shows your heart, uh, in its like rawest form because it's an interruption. You aren't in control. You aren't prepared, you know? And I think you have to be present to be interrupted like that. Like he saw every moment like perfectly as it was and took, like, I love what you're saying. This is what I'm doing today. Like um, Jesus was so in the today, you know what I mean? The one he, he also knew the entire course. Like, course of history, but he was so in the today. And when people looked at him, he looked at them in the moment and mm. was there. And that's something that we often especially as achievers and planners don't think about is that today we want to think about the tomorrow right? so much. And that, and that's a tool of the devil, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's living an, an intentional an intentionally available life. Being mm-hmm. intentional about being available and creating space for interruptions is not easy to do because, you know, I found this, image to be kind of an interesting one to to wrestle with back in the day so you have you have this idea of success right and we're going to use the world's definition of success right now we're going to talk about monetary value back in the day 1800s kind of back in the day when people achieved wealth when they were successful mm. how you could recognize that was their life slowed down so they actually removed themselves from everything else and they went to a quiet place with their loved ones and they rode horses or they did whatever they did. Now, the wealthy, you identify the wealthy with how much they can do in a year. Work or not work. Like, can we get on the private jet and can we get to England and Mexico and Switzerland and do it all like in one month and like still not miss out on anything? Um. Mm. And it's like such an interesting psychological shift that's occurred. Um, And people just don't live, myself included, aren't quick to live an intentionally available life. And I I was challenged uh, by by like a a mentor type relationship. A, A guy said, well, what if we viewed day one of our life as the beginning of the journey and the the end of the journey is the day that we die? Okay. It's not that it's not an extremely profound thought until you think about what, well, how are you living right now? Like right now, my journey is my journey to marriage or my journey to success or my journey through college. Like your whole, the whole thing shifts on its head when you, when you realize this whole life is the journey. The reason this got brought up is he took a, this, this guy took a trip out West and he, it took him like two weeks to get to his destination. And he was just bounced around spot, spot, spot. And I was like, how do you enjoy that? For me, I wouldn't enjoy that. I just want to get there. And he's like, he lives in a, he does live a very intentionally available life. And he's like, man, the Lord has called me away from my destination so many times Mm. that it's just proven to me that this whole life is the journey. If I'm driving over to East Lansing and all of a sudden I see somebody on the side of the road and you know, the Lord calls me to, to go chat with them. It's disobedient to, to know that that journey 
to plant the seed in your own head that the destination of that journey is East Lansing when the mm. Lord could call you somewhere else. Mm. And it's uncomfortable. Um, mm. And I think it's balance. We don't just do nothing with our lives, just waiting for the next thing to pop mm. up. Um, but you also just don't want to box box Jesus or box God out of the picture, yeah. you know? Like you only get these hours of my day, like, you know, when I'm off work or whatever, yeah. you know? And I, I was even thinking about like other cultures of how like not time oriented they are of like, they'll just stop and like, they'll talk to someone for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes and be late to late air quotes to wherever they have to go. But that's expected in the culture versus us. Like we are dialed on, I have a 2 PM. I'm going to be there five minutes early. Like I got a plan for traffic. Okay. That means I need to leave at this time. Like, right. You know, I feel like the, the phrase, like you said, intentionally available is, is really the, where the tension is because you can't just be available because then you're going to be like shirking your responsibilities or dishonoring relationships or commitments. You have to make, you have to plan for the time to have interruptions so that you can take advantage of that and continue to honor your commitments and relationships with people. Like it wouldn't be God honoring for like you to con- constantly be late. Cause every time you saw a homeless person, you stopped and like spent five hours with them. Yeah. Right. Um, and then you're like, if you're a business person or like you're called, you're, you have commitments and you're called to be like, being excellent in what you're doing. So yeah. there's like, there's a balance there right. where I think that intentional space where you're like, you know what? I need to make sure I'm not so busy that I can't afford interruptions. Yeah. And that, um, we all have the same amount of time. And when you say I don't have the time, what you're saying is I, I don't find this important enough to yeah. create time in I'm my not, schedule. I'm for not it. choosing to make time for it. Yeah. We all have the same amount of time. You have the time, right? It's just not, priority yeah yeah we should probably stop using that word we should probably start saying like that's not important to me yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I, I think too like to your point i totally hear what you're saying like you need to be able to afford interruptions but i think that's like the nature of an interruption is like you can't plan like an extra 20 minutes in case i get interrupted well know? what i what i mean by that isn't that there isn't an occasional time where you're you know where you do find it important to be late especially if you have a relationship with someone that that's not the trend like you can't afford, like that's more to, more what I mean is that you're diligent enough in your life and relationships that, that it's not dishonoring to another relationship in your life. Um, to, to like take seemingly, extra. yeah, because somebody's like, yeah. um, not to say that they might not need more help or whatever in the time period, but who knows like what the Lord had for you in a, in a meeting that you were 20 minutes late to that you lost trust with the person or whatever, like, Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes in ministry, um, people get ran over because they're in ministry and I don't think that's God honoring. I don't think that's what Jesus would do. Um, but at the same time, um, it's not all about like people in ministry. Mm-hmm. It's also about the mission. You know, there's like a level of we're buying into this thing and yeah, it's not about me and, and, in that there's like patience with, mm-hmm. um, but Jesus cared for his disciples. He didn't like devalue them. Yeah. He it was, they weren't a means to an end, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. So I think like Jesus it's relationships, he did things that his disciples like were like, dude, what you're, you have this meeting, right? Like stopping on the road, like someone's dying right now. And you're like stopping and talking to these random like people in need. 
And his disciples didn't understand that. And like, it's just so profound, the endless implications of just that, that one moment, just like when you study his life. Um, and frankly, have grace for this guys. Cause like we're, none of us are going to do this perfectly. Like that's just, I don't know. Don't call it nihilism. It's realism. Mm-hmm. We're under sin, right? We're not Jesus. Mm-hmm. We can hope to inspire, like aspire to be more like him, but you're going to mess up. So like here we are like trying to find the right amount of balance in the tension of this so that we can optimize it and then chase perfection in like favor in the eyes of God like right now. So like there's such a tension there and I I love what you're saying. It comes at a cost too. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a cost for being intentionally Mm -hmm. available. It's not not efficient. No, it's not. You might lose some revenue. No. And like that's not how Mm. like God works either. Like we talked with Brian Norton last week about pornography and like gnarly the gnarly side of what that does to like a human being. But like there was some statistic of like 2% of people are freed instantaneously uh, by a miraculous work of God from that. You still have to fight for it on the other Mm -hmm. side of that. Um, But such a small amount are just instantly and it's like, okay, well why? And it's like through the process of either growing out of it or hard hard work in conjunction with God and the Holy spirit, like on our end, he's teaching us to be more dependent on him as we're journeying through sin, as we're journeying through a change of pace of life, of busyness, of a different job, going to school, like whatever, like there's a lot of, you know, it's easy to just, that's, that's the easy thing to ask for is like, just make it better, like really quick. And it's like, I, my analogy is like, God isn't your rich dad that can just make all your problems disappear like instantaneously because like while he, that's his heart and like as a father, like what father wouldn't want to do that for their kids, almost the more valuable thing is bringing them through a process of like, I'm not going to do this for you, but I'm going to walk with you through this and I'm going to be with you and I'm going to show my face and my character alongside of you and shepherd you and grow you and discipline you and make you yeah, know my image. I know from a father can be way more loving than a yes. And just more valuable too. Yeah. Like what, what is God teaching you through a scenario like that, that he wouldn't be teaching you if he just all of a sudden like made it go away like that again, like we were talking about this, this morning is like healing, like God still speaks in miracles, but that's for a specific reason that he does that and we see that in scripture too like healing wasn't necessarily just unto the person that got healed yeah it's for other people to see god and they needed a level of uh their how they perceived god to be broken and shifted by someone else being healed and like ultimately that person's still going to die. <laughs> like bodily you know, healing goes away. Yeah. Like not to, <laughs> not to make it any less than it is, but like, that's the reality of it. Right. Like, okay. Someone, someone's broken leg gets instantly healed. What if they get cancer? Like when they're in their seventies, <laughs> like yeah. we still have a limited time here on earth. So for that healing to yes, bring glory to God in and of itself. It's also unto other people, you know, working on their unbelief. Right. Do you have anything on that? I want to reel it back in and ask you a question then. Heck yeah. Um, How has your transition to personal finance, like, I guess maybe like how, how have these things been kind of working in your life or like kind of floating around in your brain as you've been kind of shifting from sales 
to like personal finance. Um, I'll just leave it like that. Cause I think that's vague enough. Yeah. It's a great question. And it's been a, this whole transition's just been such a, a healthy wrestling with, with the Lord for me. Um, I think it's okay too. If you're just like in it, like, by the way, you like still in the wrestling, like I'm sure yeah. you are. Yeah. Oh no, I, I am. And it, that's a continue. I think it should be a continuous wrestling of like, mm. okay, Lord, where, like, where am I now? Why am I here? Where am I headed? Like what impact are you calling me to, to today in this season? Yeah. Um, all of those things. But I think this job has, has the, the transition on a more shallow side, then we can get into the finance side, but the actual boundaries to this work allow me to live a way more intentionally available life. And we're experiencing the, experiencing the fruit of that right now. If I was in my other job, there's no way I'd be here. And there's, there's a lot. And let me just unpack this. So my part of the reason why I left my previous job was just because there was no, there was not a lot of flex time at all. And one day I was driving down the side of the road or down the road. And I was just looking and I was like, holy cow. Like it's a beautiful day. Like beautiful summer day, sun's rising. Like what would I have thought about today when I was younger and it was summer? And I know that like with age comes responsibility, obviously, Mm -hmm. but the same token, like you're only here for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be constrained to an office job seven to five or eight to nine to five every single day. Because what if an opportunity pops up and somebody comes by and they're like, you know what, Blake, like coming through town, haven't seen you in four years, any chance you want to swing by the beach for a couple hours. Like we're still living life. And I think the American dream pushes so heavily just these rules that you live by. You go to school and then you go to college and then you get a job and then you work until you're 65 and the story goes on. But it's like the world hasn't gotten less beautiful. No. And the opportunities haven't become less because you've gotten older. You're just living by the rules of the world. Um, now, again, I say that with balance because obviously you need to take responsibility and, and, and make a make a living and stuff. But like still take advantage of even the idea of like salary for like 40 hours a week and like all of that is like like corporations invented that idea and it was like negotiated by like the like unions about like what's balanced and stuff like if it wasn't like pushed back against and there weren't weren't boundaries made about that like your your employers will take more of your time like and make more money off Mm -hmm. you and your work like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's that's something that we're um like when you're thinking about like taking 20 minutes or a few hours and you're like, what, what time in the work day am I wasting? Like, it's such a weird thought because like we only have a certain amount of days. And like you said, the the world hasn't gotten so like any less beautiful, but we put a value on like a Thursday, like mornings, like that's like, and of course you need to work. Like, again, I don't want to say this is like quit your job and just go like live in the beach maybe, but, um, is like, is it worth revenue loss or like taking a job that pays you a little less or like whatever that is? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and it's just like this whole mindset of like, why, why is, why is Friday night, Saturday and Sunday? Like, why does my view of the world shift so drastically when I don't, when I'm not tied down to this job? Hmm. Like, why is it that I wake up on a Tuesday and I just feel like, well, I got to go work and I got to go do this and I got to do this again 
We don't need to beat a dead horse dead. Obviously, you need to come step into your responsibilities, but at the same token, like Saturday and Wednesday are virtually the same other than the label we put on it. And part of that label is time, which I think is an interesting conversation to f- kind of finish what we were talking about earlier. Like, what did this, what did the clock do to our society? Like, it's just crazy. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so that's, that's w- one aspect of it. Um, and then to take that a step further, the Lord placed in my heart in May of 2022 when I got out of school, some, some vision for creating space for young business professionals to gather. Um, I just felt like it's all scripted for you. If you go the traditional route until you get out of school, then it's no longer scripted for you. And for a lot of people in the next five years, you have to decide, you know, where are you going to build your career? How are you going to make a living? Getting married, buying a house, like all of these things are huge decisions that you have to make within the first five years of graduating. And for me, a lot of my resources that I would have bounced those ideas off of were like not really there. I mean, I've got a great sports system, but like it's tough to identify what success looks like and where I'm supposed to head. So I wrestled with this uh, and that's the word that keeps coming back up, but prayed about it with the Lord of of just like, okay, God, is this in the form of a conference? Like, is this going to be a a revenue driving thing? Is this like for entrepreneurs? How is this all going to shape out? And when I made the job transition, I was pursuing starting like a referral based group, but it wasn't really like scratching my itch. And so um, to make a long story short, I started my own group. It's called connect and it's, it's in Holland. We gather weekly. It's eight or nine, uh, God-fearing Christian men that are trying to be entrepreneurs and create kingdom impact through business. And just what the Lord has done through that group, like already, we've only been meeting for like 14 weeks now, but just like the power of being able to sit in the room with men that are in, a, in their young to mid twenties that are wrestling with some of the same things that you're wrestling with and just chat about you know, strategies and like, what are we doing? Where are we headed? Why are we doing this? And just, it's crazy what some of these guys are like the responsibilities they're taking on, like leading, like leading businesses at 24 years old um, and stewarding large amounts of revenue. And some of them are just crushing it. And some of them are still kind of in the, in the valleys and scratching and clawing and in both places, it's beautiful. But so the Lord's, I guess, all that to say the Lord's opened up some new avenues from this job that is, that's allowed me to, to step into new opportunities. Um, but on the finance side, I, I think it's just beautiful to be able to walk with somebody in, in one of their most intimate things. People care about their, a lot of people care about their health first and then their money. And to be able to just try to act like Jesus would with stewarding that money, um, it's just a beautiful thing to step into. It's so vulnerable. People don't like to talk about their money because it's a pain point for a lot of folks. It's a big stress thing. Totally. A lot of people don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been great. Um, it's a drastic learning curve. That's awesome. It's like a hockey stick. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. And every day it's growth is so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like it just is. And you can't avoid it, 
Um, and it, it's such a tension because being stagnant is is very comfortable, um, but growth is growth is not. What I love is uh, that group that meets because I feel like that's the church. Mm. It's an extension. It's an extension of what the church should be. Yeah, is um, yes, it's the like let's get together and like let's do the liturgy. Let's let's corporately worship. But I think the church is also like you said, God fearing people like getting together and figuring like, how do we lift each other up? How do we like make real impact? Um, find success in, a, in, in terms maybe outside of the traditional definition we've been using. Um, and I think that as humans and especially as humans who believe what we do as Christians living in community like that, is the only way to like live and it should be pursued. And if you're, and I know a lot of people crave that. Um, so that's so cool that you guys are doing that. I bet, I bet that just meeting with them is like, like just thinking about the ROI on that time. Like you you probably like even just in spiritual and like, um, like mental, um, emotional, relational, relational aspects of your life. I bet it's just so enriched. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about that even with Brian last episode, there's something, I think, um, women as well, but especially men, cause we tend to isolate ourselves as men, um, need and get from meeting with other men. Like it's, it's just a spiritual thing. It's, mm-hmm. and it's not, um, to say that like you like shouldn't cling to like your wife or whatever, but there are things that like your wife can't give you either your significant other, mm-hmm. um, that they shouldn't have to give you that they're not meant to give you that relationships with other men are um designed to give you mm-hmm. um so that's so cool because i'm because i mean like just doing that like you said some people are like crushing it and making tons of money and helping tons of people and like they're it seems like worldly importance and significance and then other people like maybe not so much but the fact that everybody's getting together and helping each other um man that's cool to be a fly on the wall would be awesome to just I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. You're always welcome to to drop in. Um, I've been wrestling with where does it where does it go next? Because right now we're we're maxed out at nine. Um I wouldn't feel comfortable allowing anybody else to join right now just because of you meet for an hour and a half and there's so much to cover. But I've also had to turn down like five or six people already. Start and another one. Yeah. Well, and that's what we're, that's part of my wrestling is like, okay, God, why? Like, there's a craving for it. Yeah. there And there is, there is such a craving for it, but impact isn't always found in volume. Agreed. And so part of me is like, yeah, let's, let's, let's just multiply. But part of me is like, hold on a second. Like, let's just make sure all the motives are right. And every, like everything's kind of like a well-oiled machine before we decide to branch off. Um, but men crave it because yeah, like men just by nature, isolate themselves in hard times. And some of these men are financially leveraged in the businesses and 
I went to the, I went to a, a whiteboard and I'm, I'm writing down mission, vision, purpose. What is this group? Where are we going? Like, and at the end of it, I just, I threw it all away because I'm like, I don't even know what these men need. Like I'm putting the cart way before the horse here. And so mm. I just like gathered and just listened. And that's the role that I've played the whole time. It's just facilitate, just throw out questions and let the men just be vulnerable over it. But hmm. the first week was just like a whole bunch of guys just like, you could almost see the weight being lifted off their shoulders of like, does anybody else ever wake up and wonder like, like what am I doing? <laughs> like, this yeah. is hard. Mm -hmm. Am I even making progress? Like, all of these things that they've never been able to bounce off of anybody because I, I'm going to butcher this, but um, I was listening to a podcast one time and they were talking about how, if you ever ask a, an entrepreneur, like how they're doing, they're just going to say good because it, you'll never understand. Like if, if, if they're not doing good, they're not going to tell you because you're not going to understand. And if they do tell you and you take the time to listen, it's probably going to scare you. Like it's just being an entrepreneur is hard. Mm -hmm. It just is. Um, and so to have like eight or nine where people like know what you're feeling yeah, is, is super powerful. Yeah. You feel seen. Yeah. Well, you put typically like an entrepreneur puts the weight on themselves to like, um, and it is on themselves to like further what's going on. And so, uh, yeah, those, the, the idea of feeling weak or helpless is not a super, um, it's uncomfortable, but it's a pretty common thing. <laughs> totally. Um, if you're doing that, I, uh, as an entrepreneur, um, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but, um, things were like pretty slim when I got married and like to the point where I'm like, Lord, I don't know what's coming next month. And, um, I did have to make that transition of the idea of like, yeah, I am responsible for providing for my household, but at the same time, like, um, I would sit like you would almost like this restlessness of like that pressure that like would not, I was losing sleep. Like I was sitting there like thinking about what I could be doing and all these things. And some of that, like you need to ideate and, and whatnot, but it really came down to like an understanding of, okay, Lord, like if I fail, if I can always go work like somewhere else, there's people are hiring all over the place. Like really this dilemma in my brain isn't that big of a dilemma in real reality, but I had to transition my idea of being the provider and the one who's responsible for it all to I'm being provided for um, Amanda's being provided for by my father. Mm. Um, and I'm just a worker in his field, you know, yeah. and that's, and like the so idea good. of ownership and like control and responsibility um, that like we put on our businesses and the things that we're working towards, we don't own any of it. Like we really don't, you know, we're stewarding it. Like right. I've been given this opportunity to run a business. Yeah, I have responsibilities, but I'm still a steward. And the one who's in control of finance and has all of all of the materials of everything in the universe is the one who says, like, seek first my kingdom. Yeah. Um, follow me, abide in me. And that's where peace is found. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not the prosperity gospel. That's where life that is truly life is found. Yeah. Well, and like really the good. idea of like, you cannot serve two masters. Yeah. Uh, and like money is the root of all evil. Like that kind of stuff to be in that is like you said, like that's a pain point. That's a vulnerable place to be in. And I can't remember where it's from, but I heard this kind of idea of like on that note of ownership, like 
are you okay? Like just being a manager and like not being an owner, because like you said, like we don't own like any of it. So why are we so consumed with, I'm the owner of this business and here is my resume as an entrepreneurial title. I am owner, president, CEO, whatever. Like, okay. Like, (laughs) (laughs) cool. Like, what are you doing with that? God's like, did you see the mountains? Yeah. Right. How about this tree? (laughs) Enough said. Yeah. So wow. I love that. Like why? Like, again, that's a cultural thing, right? Nice, nice 10% increase on your revenue last year, but you see that mountain. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, check out yeah, this. Cloud. Do you see this world that's like spinning on an axis like hundreds of miles an hour <laughs> yeah, and like yeah, yeah. the sun's coming? It's like, yeah. Oh, also, your body is doing like a thousand things right now without you even noticing. Like, yeah. You think you're, <laughs> you think you're a manager? I, I managed this whole thing. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, giving yeah. you breath. Yeah. yeah. Got him. <laughs> and of course, guys, like we're speaking as people who, um, as achievers, as people who think naturally about intend towards like, these types of issues. Um, so I don't want to, to make it seem like we don't care about these no. things or that like you, that you're, or to shame you if you are stressed or like that there is a moment in your life that you really do have financial hardship or no. Um, no. any of that. Like Blake's a financial advisor. Like we're entrepreneurs. Like we value these things and we know that it's, it's tough. We're not speaking from a place of we've got it figured out. Yeah. And, um, well, like and, you guys shouldn't be stressed because it's easy. No. And <laughs> yeah. like, I was even just going to say of like, I'm, you know, I'm kind of transitioning out of freelance into a salary spot. And like, I even just coming back to that idea that you said earlier of like, that's just my field. Like that's my field right now. And like, how can I, how can I be available? Like mm-hmm. in this, in this space with new people, you know, I'm going to have a new circle of people where like, you know, Kyle at Berkeley always talks about like the game is Monday through Saturday. Like the people like Sunday is the huddle. Uh, mm. Like why are, why are we so consumed with that versus the people that we interact with, especially the people that we work with that we're really close with consistently throughout the week. Like, yeah. We see those people way more than we see so-and-so like on a Sunday because that is where we're planted. That is where our feet are. Like that is our field that we're Mm. combing and tilling and dropping seeds in and stuff like, yeah. But you know, talking about time and all of these things, like I'm, I'm walking through this right now. Like I'm, I'm figuring this out. Like it's a new season. It's a new thing. There's so many blessings that is coming because of this, the people that I get to work with and the opportunities that are before me. Uh, but it's still a shift. It's still figuring this out and it's still like a healthy wrestle um, as well as like, you know, not being comfortable, like just taking a salary either. Like, again, like the Lord is still that provider every, you know, every day, every moment of every day. Like he brought this opportunity and, you know, I'm here to grow it and steward it as best that I can. Mm. Um, But like, he is still the provider and I never want to get to a place where I'm prideful of like, Oh, I did this. Like I worked hard for this and I made it happen. Like I didn't like, I'm just a manager. Like I'm just taking what is given to me and trying to the parable of, you know, the, the parable of the money bags and like go out and multiply it, you know, not just bury it in the ground. 
you know? Yeah. It's a reflection. A good steward is also like a reflection of a good master too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like excellence and working hard, you should be proud of that, but not because of you, but because right. of the master you serve yeah. and the opportunity you've had to steward the things that he's given you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a testament to him. It's like, I, you can do, you can do freelance for the glory of God. You can take a salary spot for the glory of God. You can start a business for the glory of God. Like, that's that's what it's unto. Like if my if my heart is that and I'm letting that drive my interactions with people that I'm making videos with, people that I'm emailing client, like whoever, like that's that's the heart posture that I'm you know, I'm trying to steward day in and day out and keep it keep a consistency there. Yeah. You know, while on the path to sanctification. So it's amazing. It's so good. I think one one comment, Nate, that I would build off of, of what you were talking about with kind of telling the viewers that we're not there is my po- heart posture as of recent is shifted to, to this understanding that I'll speak for myself. I don't think I'm ever going to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know where there is. Right. Mm-hmm. And I hope this doesn't come across as like a negative or depressing, but like life is hard and it's always going to be hard. Right. There is no like turning point where all of a sudden things aren't going to be hard. So it's an expectation thing. Like if you live with the expectation of like, wow, this world is really broken and it's going to be really hard. Then at least you come in with, with viewing the world through this lens of like the world is broken. The world is hard, but I have a savior that's bigger than all of it. Amen. Um, it can be very freeing. And, and I think I just want to reiterate the fact that, there is no title or no job position or amount of money that would ever enable me to feel confident to, to speak to somebody in the sense of like, I know it's hard, but like you can make it cause I'm there. I don't, that will never happen. And I'd be the first to raise my hand right now and say, I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Those stress points are going to continue to happen mm-hmm. all the time. That's a good point. And I think it's like you were talking about earlier, like it's the journey, like it's, it's not arriving to that spot. It's the twists and turns and, and the craziness that happens like on the way to get air yeah. quotes there. Well, we totally measure it by like net worth, right? You're like, yeah, it's like whatever that there is as a society, like um, one, the target will always be moving, but like the idea of just increase of net worth as being like a steady increase of being there, stability mm-hmm. or whatever that, that idea Comfort. of it is. Yeah. But really like, um, for one, why have money if you're not spending it in a sense and you're not using it like, um, responsibly, hopefully, but like, if like, why have a bunch of like a really large net worth if you're not living life well, mm-hmm. like what, what are you gaining? It's just a number in your, like on a screen mm-hmm. or like, yeah. um, you know, used, used to be like cash or whatever, but, um, I, so, um, I think that's, I think that's a really important thought is that like net worth money comes and goes, you know, Mm -hmm. like your maybe your net worth will be highest when you're 60, but then you like have a great retirement and then you die with no money, but you like, I don't know, like, Mm -hmm. like it's, there's so the idea that we should just continually increase our net worth is, is a shallow way to think about like living life to the fullest, Mm. I think is kind of what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like hopefully you're managing your money. Well, that's not what I'm trying to say, but like, some people, and I'm curious maybe what your thoughts are on this or whatever, but like some people 
I don't know, this, maybe this is a trend or whatever, but like they've been taking like early retirements in their thirties when they have like three kids that are young and like taking five years off of work cause they have some savings and then like working jobs again after that and like building it back up. And like, because they're like, I have my health, I have my kids in the house. I have like all of these um, things in life that I might not when I really have the time and money to utilize these things. Why not position myself right now to utilize our time and spend it when we're like in the moments that we're never going to get back before my you know kids grow up and move away. Um, I want to like make those relationships now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like financially, that's not always the like in the cards for people, but um, it's probably more achievable than you might think because I think we are more afraid of structuring our life in that way. Um, but I don't know if you've like seen that as like a trend or like people like kind of valuing that more lately or if, or like, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. Great question. I think it all comes back to what people's goals are, I guess. And it's like, I think money is a tremendous resource that is always utilized as an investment. So when you hear investment, a lot of people hear, well, real estate or stock market or whatever it is. Well, when you go through Chick-fil-A and you give them $10, you're investing in your in your health. When you spend $20 on golf, you're investing in um, solitude or in your relationship with a friend. Um, you're investing in something by using those resources. Mm. And I think that's wonderful. Um, when you choose to to tap into that nest egg, I think is kind of at the discretion of the user. I could get into a whole bunch of specifics <laughs> on all of that stuff, but it's just like, yeah. I mean, I've heard stories of, of folks, you know, watching their retirement super, super closely and then passing away before they could utilize it. And that was my grandpa. Mm-hmm. I mean, my grandpa passed away super suddenly, um, two year up, Two, it'll be two years in September, September 17th. Mm. And he was only a couple of years into his retirement. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I think there is a case to be built for not just scavenging, you know, and like storing up this, this pot of money because, you know, time is a factor and you don't know, you know, when your time is up. But um, I won't say that there's a, a right or wrong way. No, to do there's it. not. It's kind of at the, at the, it's something to think about though, because I feel like it's, it's anti the traditional route for most people. The idea is like, I mean, it's not a bad idea, uh, necessarily. I'm not trying to say that it's stupid. Um, but, but if you feel like, I don't know, just like opening that conversation up. Cause like you said, like not every day is a guarantee and, um, time is more valuable than money because like people pay a lot of money for time and like you can't, you can't buy time. Yeah. That was something that's been through my mind right now is like, as, as a man, like obviously you think about like setting your family up for success in the future. And like, that's a big pressure that might like drive you to make decisions, um, financial decisions, work decisions, how I'm going to spend time for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years of my life. I'm thinking about not only myself, but honestly, less about myself and more about like, okay, we're, you know, if God blesses us with children and like, what is the future of 
our lives look like. We've been thinking about that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that like your kids probably won't ever wish they had from you is pro- like on your deathbed is like more material things. They probably wish you spent like some more time with them. Yeah. You know, super good. So like, I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong way to manage your money. Like, like get a, get a financial advisor. Right. Am well, I, right? I was, I was <laughs> actually just about to say that. Like, it's tough for me because like I, I, yeah, I could share a lot more about what my opinion would on that would be. And I don't like, if there's somebody listening that's in this tension, I'm not just doing this for my own marketing ploy, but if you are actually wrestling with that, like I would be happy to, that's what I do every day. I would be happy to lift the hood up on that Yeah. and coach somebody through like every decision has benefits and consequences. And, um, that's kind of what lights me up and, I can't speak into someone's situation without knowing it, but like, yeah, I, I would love to, to have those kind of discussions with folks. And, um, I think what you're talking about, the whole concept of time, uh, with, with the family is, is super important. That's part of the reason why I took this job. Yeah. It's like, I've seen the ways being available. Yeah. My uncle is so available to his family. He will not, he doesn't miss anything. Um, and now he's creating a lot of impact outside of the business in running a U program. And it's like, if he was tied down to a nine to five, there's just no way. I think also there's a misconception that like prioritizing your family is going to like lose respect in business mm. or like creating boundaries for like your personal life. But I think it has the opposite effect. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that, like even with your uncle, like, he, like obviously if he's not missing anything, he's saying no to meetings. He's saying, I, I'm busy. Yeah. I, you know, I have these things. Yeah. Um, I don't know what your thought on that is. No, I think you're right. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the person that's actually about to make the decision, I think your my concern would be, Oh, if I'm going to like take time off to go be with the family or my girlfriend or whoever, my view externally is like, I wonder if my coworkers are going to judge me for being like lazy or not prioritizing work. When in reality, the coworkers are probably actually respecting you more because you're willing to st- take a step away and go be present with the people you love. Yeah. You, you said that right. Well, and like I, ideally um, meetings you have with them, like you're present with them too. It's like, it's that whole thing about being present maybe too, where yeah. like you, you establish like fair boundaries and then you're present, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, like, and maybe that's also like time management, getting stuff on the calendar. Like there's a lot of yeah. nitty gritty things on that, but there's a general approach. Um, obviously guys, we just love throwing out big, big picture ideas and letting you guys sort out what that looks like. Like we're not trying to give you legal advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, uh, or a financial guru or whatever. I'm just thinking about these things in my life. So yeah these just bubble up as I'm like trying to figure out how to do that better. Well, Um, and like, I'll speak to that too of like, like freelance is awesome. But like you were saying earlier, like you think about these things so much. So like, yeah, like I might be able to be available a little bit more, but am I though? Because my brain is, I can't, it's tough for me to turn that off. Like when I'm with people. So like, yeah, I can be there, but am I actually like being present, like in my mental space or like, is the person working a nine to five who's able to leave their job at the job, able to actually be present when they come home that's and not like responding to emails all the time, you know, very real. That's, that's just the other side of that. 
very real. Yeah. The nine to five does have a benefit of being able to shut it down um, because you're not responsible. At the end of the day, you're probably not responsible for the entire company. Um, Yeah. This whole, this whole concept of work-life balance, I think is just, can be misrepresented. I've, I've talked to a couple of people of like, what, what does it look like to integrate those two things? Work-life integration instead of work-life balance. Um, mm-hmm. Because like, if it's work and life, does that mean like you're not living when you're at work? I don't like, what is work-life balance? Um, mm-hmm. And it's, the integration of it is, is unique. I think some people find that integration, but I, I think that needle and that target's always moving. Kind of like you said, depends like, on your goals, depends on like yeah, what standard just, yeah. of living you want, depends on all of those things. Yeah. When I think about too, like Jesus predestined work, like before the fall, like before the fall happened, like Adam was working in the, in the garden. Right. So like for us to, again, we've already said this, we're not neglecting work at all. And like, what does that look like to be, this is where my feet are. Like, this is kind of how the world operates. This is how we generate revenue so that we can take care of people and like have health and like steward our time. Well, Yeah, it's like, it's a catch 22. It's like, we want to steward our time. Well, well, we have to sink time into creating money to do that, creating the space to do that. Right. Well, that that's kind of what I was trying to allude at too, with like the whole like setting it, like when you're in a meeting with them, you're there is like your family. When you, when you're there with your family, you can set a boundary that when you're working, you're at work, right? Like you're being available. Doesn't mean that like, um, like, especially if you're working from home, it's like, are the kids running in or like whatever, are you constantly being interrupted all the time? Or is like, Hey, dad's working or like, um, so don't go and don't go like, run in there every five minutes and like interrupt him versus like they like, it's a much better place when you are present with everybody, because when you're done working, I'm here with you, like kids, you don't have to run in because I'm, I got a half hour and then, and then I'm yours. Right. It's like, but I think the dysfunction is when it's like not one or the other, it's not one or the other. It's like, you're constantly either checking your work emails or you're in a meeting with somebody and you're constantly like being interrupted. It's like, there's a, it's not God honoring to like, right be in a meeting and be like constantly like right on your phone like well, for no reason and i was gonna say too like i love that work life integration because i feel like and i brought that up of like work being there like god designed work mm-hmm. to be work of like that is living and to like view it as living yeah. is yet a different step but like we're called to do that like yeah. whether that's vocational ministry or being an electrician like we're called to be in that space and there's going to be seasons that are harder than others. And, and then hopefully, you know, seasons that are lighter than others, like the door swings both ways there. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, it's not to devalue work either. Exactly. Like work is good. Right. And like you, you can honor God by going, you do honor God by yeah. going to work. John Mark, can. John Mark describes it as like taking care of your corner of the garden. Like mm-hmm. what corner is that? Like for us right now, it's film. Like our corner of the garden is not carpentry. (laughs) Like it's not financial. Unfortunately, I want to, I want to be a carpenter. You do. You do. And, uh, but like your corner is financial advising. So like, how are you? Yeah. Today. (laughs) Like that's where your feet are planted currently. Right. And it was planted in food stuff for a little while. Uh, but you've, 
transitioned into a different garden <laughs> right. that has different fruit yeah. and like it looks different, you know? So yeah. like to think about that and not, cause then I think the, of like wanting to be available, you do start to like devalue work. It's like, well, shouldn't I just try and try to make every waking moment capable to be spent like with these people? And it's like, like the heart, like that idea isn't bad in and of itself, but then we're neglecting our responsibility as like, you know, men of the house and, and to try to work and like steward that well, right. you know, it's like a, again, like it's like catch 22 of like hmm. here to, here to work. Um, that takes away time, but I'm working to get time. <laughs> like it, it just keeps going back and forth. So again, to your point, like work life integration, how am I integrating life into my work? How am I speaking life and truth into hmm. my workplace and living full and living present? Like, instead of asking the question, like, what would Jesus do? Like, add on to that. Like, what would Jesus do if he were me? Because that is what we really should be asking is like, like, we all can't be a carpenter like Jesus and, you know, do these things. Like, maybe sometimes like the actual practicals line up, but that's not what Jesus was saying to do. Like it's saying, take my yoke. (laughs) Basically what would Jesus do is he would uh, be a carpenter carpenter until he's about 30 and then he would start his ministry for three years and then he would die on the cross and save us all for humanity for eternity so So don't don't do what jesus did all y'all 50 year olds you're doing it wrong (laughs) you're not doing what jesus would do no that's not not what he did but yeah and so like like that question has like really kind of opened up some boxes in my mind interesting what would jesus do if if he were me like Mm. because we all can't you know making our life like jesus is not you know doing the exact same practicals as Jesus. Not being God either. Yeah. It's following his principles and Mm. like his teaching and his love uh, and his stewardship. Amen. Um, But like, what would he do if he were me? If, if Jesus was a financial advisor in Blake's shoes, how would he be spending his time? Who would he be talking to? What relationships in his life would Mm. he be valuing and speaking into and communicating with? How would he be stewarding his money? He'd probably, he'd probably come on UIG. He would. <laughs> <laughs> if if uh, Jesus were Blake, he'd probably be yeah. here. <laughs> but like, how would he? How would he steward his prayer life? How would he tithe? Yeah, uh, you know, mm. like all Dude, of those that's things. So good. Yeah. Like, and and I hope that that is freeing for other people because it was for me of like wow. seeing seeing really amazing people step into ministry full time. It's like it seems like that is what I should be doing air quotes. Mm. Uh, but is it like <laughs> you, you sent me a really good reel the other day that was like about evangelism and mm. like street evangelism. And it was basically like, should you do this? Like, yeah, if you're called like, mm-hmm. which is good. Like I say that with like ferocity of like there, I know people that are called into that and do it super well. And like, and are obviously people. like, yeah, there's like an anointing. Obviously. There is a huge anointing on their life to do that very well uh but you are also anointed to do finance really really well yeah to the same level of excellence i would yeah. argue you know it's it's this shift of of realizing that we're all on mission mm-hmm. and there is no mission field like right correct like, everything's field. in yeah thanks yeah that's a that's a good correction like Everywhere is a mission field. Right. Like, Turkey exactly. isn't the mission field. Grand Rapids is a mission field right. in your business. If you're called, 
go to yeah. I'll support you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, without and, a doubt. And that's kind of the other side of this too, is like we can uh, speak volumes with the resources that we get as entrepreneurs to support missionaries to, you know, it all overlaps together. You know, it's like, we're trying to be Jesus in our workplace. Oh, and we also have this other resource that we can continue to give on top of our tithe, you know, yeah. continuing to steward our resources well and not just showing up and doing the bare minimum, so to speak. Right. But yeah, it's good. If you manage your money well too, then you might have some extra that you can give. Right. Right. So good. Do you have any other thoughts, Blake? Sheesh. No, I mean... Anything else you feel like we should add on to that? I know we just like bombarded y'all with like so many concepts. You guys are used to this if you've, mm-hmm. if you've listened before. Yeah. If not, welcome to the show. Yeah. <laughs> we have woken up. We have drank coffee. Yeah. Um, the tubes are hot. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. The tubes are hot. No, I don't, I don't really think that I have anything to add on to that. I have found that I gravitate towards people that are living intentional lives. And right now that just so happens to be that, it, that it's a lot of Christian people that are living intentional lives, but I wouldn't even put myself in the box of only being surrounded by Christian people that are living intentional lives. Like I just like, yeah, it all comes down to intentionality. Like what are you doing with, with today? Um, and that doesn't even mean that it needs to be something crazy epic, but just, are you aware of the fact that like, Every breath is a gift. And and what are you doing with it? Like like I said, that doesn't mean you have to be like some crazy guru. Like I think society pushes, mm. you know, wake up at 4 a.m. and do your cold bath and blah, blah, blah. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like if, if people are doing the cold bath and all that stuff, like praise God, that's great. And in some ways it's hypocritical because I'm I'm pretty into the fitness space, fitness space myself. But like a shift that I had to realize in my business and then I'll bring this full circle is hours worked doesn't create output. Like that the days of getting paid hourly are gone. Sure. Like if you don't do any work at all, you're probably not gonna have a lot of outputs, but input times leverage equals output. It's not just input equals output. Anyway, I don't want to digress on, on that thought, but I think society pushes, you know, in order to be successful, we have to do X, Y, Z. It's like more input equals yeah. more output. Yeah. And it's like, well, in some instances, yeah, more input's great, but just live intentional, you know, that's some, what it boils down to. Yes. And uh, something that came to mind and we could spend another hour talking about this, so we, we probably won't, but, uh, is intentionality sometimes means inaction. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rest. Sometimes yeah. you're like, I need to just take a day off and do nothing. Not maybe not nothing, but like which can be hard. Yeah. Sabbath, Sabbath, like Sabbath intentionally. Right. Don't just sit on That's the been, couch and be a potato. Yeah, one of the one of the reasons I took this job was to be to be able to prioritize like fitness for me. I could talk about fitness for a long time. Um, it's just a it's been a tremendous outlet for me. Um, it's been quite spiritual in a lot of senses senses for me. And part of the reason why I took the job is like, cool, I can make more time for the things that I've like prioritized. And now that I have no constraint as to how long I can work, it's like, 
shifted. My like intentionality with my fitness and well-being has probably gone down um, because it's like, oh, I don't have to take an hour lunch. Like they're not giving me an hour lunch. Like when in reality I could take a three hour lunch, but I'm like not taking the time to do. It's because that. you're valuing your time based off of like what the money value on that, like, oh, they're giving me an hour. Like I'm not getting paid for an hour. So I might as well just take the whole hour. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For, which is like basic. It's like this weird fallacy that we create when we like assign monetary value to things or time. I was talking to Amanda about this. Like, if you had like free drinks at a bar, sometimes you don't want to get a drink because you're like, I don't actually want to drink right now. But sometimes like if it's like if there's a price on it, you're kind of like if someone like gave you a drink they paid for, you would like feel pressure to drink it even yeah. if you didn't want it. Because there's inherent value there. Yeah. Like somebody <laughs> spent money on that and yeah. like they're giving it to you. So you better utilize it versus like, I actually don't or like, I mean, even like coffee or whatever, like you're drinking your water, like, cause you just wanted your water. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's that kind of thing where like, we're so motivated by like the value we assign things yeah. or what we're told, like this hour break is like assigned to certain things. So I'm going to take it. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. If you guys, if you would have brought in this morning, and maybe this is wrong, but if you'd have brought in like Starbucks or something that I knew, obviously this stuff costed you money, but like if you went out and paid money for a coffee for me, right. I, you better believe I'd be drinking it right now. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah it is. Obviously yeah. that's like polite, but yeah, right. um, there's a level of like, Res like you were saying, we're like, almost. well, the point being like, it's so weird how like if you were given an hour lunch, you're going to take an hour, yeah. but like if you don't have a lunch, you're probably going to take less or um, I don't know. You tend to like constrict yourself even more in that sense. Yeah. So are you like still finding rhythm in like kind of the newfound freedom? Yeah. I mean, I... I've been in like self-employed for like, I just looked at my watch. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, like the freak. I don't know, like <laughs> two hours, yeah. five years or something. Okay. And like, I'm still like f scratching for like figuring out new rhythms and that's seasonal. And I think that's another conversation, but um, that hits really hard for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. And some days maybe it's good not to, it's good to work through lunch. Yeah, some days it's, it's just, not. That's the tension of it, I guess. I haven't found the rhythm. That's the short answer. But I think it's also because my rhythm looks different right now. Like my uncle's uncle has a different rhythm because he's been in the business for a long time and he's got a support staff. I'm I'm a well, I've got the I've got his team as well, which are tremendous. If for some odd reason they're listening, then shout out to you, <laughs> you guys. You guys are amazing. But Oh, they for sure are. This is a huge podcast. Yeah, <laughs> this could go. This could go viral. Um, no, but there'll be a bunch of shorts of you like all over their YouTube feed or whatever. <laughs> I love it. No, but um, I think what I'm working towards right now is just creating space to be f to fill myself first before I go into the office, and that's both spiritually and like mm. physically. Like I know that like the actual endorphins in my brain. I don't know the science behind it, but I can feel it. Like if I go work out and I go move my body and get a good sweat in before I go try to do something productive with my mind, like my output again is better. So much better. Mm -hmm. Like I could go work three hours. Get everything you would have got done. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I talked to a family friend of ours, um, tremendous guy. He'd actually be a fun guy to bring on this podcast for you guys. He's been an entrepreneur for 30 years. Mm. He's never worked for somebody really. Now he's a real estate agent um, and is crushing it. So good. But I was talking to him the other day about this exact concept because he's like, he's like, How, how's the rhythms been? And he's like, 
I have found for myself, I, I really only can get four hours of really good quality work in a day. No, he works. He probably works more depending on the day, but he's like, yeah, man, I know for me, like if I budget for four super intentional hours of work, like that's my maximum capacity to do efficient outputs. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard it phrased for like people in our business as golden hours. Yeah. So what you do is you like for production work and like editing work, and you definitely do this where you batch all of your high importance, like creative, like decision-making work, right? You set yourself up for your golden hours and then you set like all your meetings and like stuff that doesn't take a lot of like brain power to like really think through They're still important. Like you at a meeting, you're still present, but there's not a pressure to like solve problems as much. It's Mm -hmm. more like just like setting yourself up for your next golden hour. Yeah. So like I have, I've like, as a, in my position, I'm not so much like my life's so crazy right now. It's like whatever (laughs) I'm doing, I'm doing, but like, I've heard a lot of freelancers, audio guys, video guys too, where they're like 8 AM to like 12 PM is like my phone's off. I am off the earth and I'm, I have a checklist and I do all of my creative work and I set myself up for like prime time. And then I take a hour, hour and a half lunch. I take a 20 minute nap during my lunch and then I have meetings for the afternoon. And if I don't have meetings, I take the rest of the day off. Yeah. And it's like, that's how they work and, and they get everything that they need to get done. And they like to be prosperous. Right. Right. Um, or wealthy or whatever the maybe more accurate words would be. And so it's interesting how like banging your head against the wall <laughs> sometimes is not the right choice. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. And I think even companies in nine to fives are starting to realize that too, in terms of how they structure like their arrangements with employees as they realize, yeah, if, if, if my input uh, isn't exactly equal to my output. Maybe I should set up an environment where my employees input isn't exactly yeah. equal to the output. Cause I'll get more out of my employees and therefore my money will go further and like, we'll accomplish more. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's on the verge of that. Yeah. I could just keep this conversation going for about too. a year and a half. I could too. I mean, the last thing I'll say is that's me right now. Like mm-hmm. eight to noon is prime time mm-hmm. and it's great. And I think there's a tension of like, not getting in your head and beating yourself up of like, I feel like I should be working. Cause like, that's the struggle too is like, well, I did all of this stuff. Like, is it enough? Like yeah. as an entrepreneur, there's always things that yeah. you can be working on. So mm-hmm. how do you and, cut that off and turn your brain off from that? And the world won't burn when you like, when you don't answer a phone call, like in the morning and you get back to them in the afternoon. And that's kind of the beauty of it mm-hmm. is like, if, since it's an everyday thing, like you can still be responsive. Like no one really needs you like right away. And it's emergency. Sometimes I know you're editing. I feel bad because I'm like hitting you and I'm like, I know he's in the middle of an edit right now, (laughs) but that's because there's an expectation, not even really an expectation between us, but because of an understanding, people will start to understand your rhythms and like adjust based off your rhythms too. So don't feel like bad advocating for like, oh, I'm at the gym like every day this day. It's just setting the precedent too. Yeah. Then they're like the expectation. They're like, oh yeah, sweet. I'll just hit them like later. Like right. I think that we put this emergency in ourselves to be yeah. available to everybody all the time too, like on right. the phone or whatever. And yeah. like you get a call and like, oh, I better call him back right now. Like you could probably wait two hours. I have a call back. I yeah. have a dude. Since focus modes came out on Apple, it's like a game changer because mm-hmm. I have a focus mode that removes all badges from all of my apps and just silences every single notification that I have. So mm-hmm. I throw that on when I'm editing and I don't get anything. Like I'll have like two missed that. calls from him <laughs> like in the morning and I call him at like 1230 yeah. when I'm on lunch or something. Huh. It's like, yeah, it's a focus mode. It's like, that's the expectation. And then as you start to do that, 
clients especially are like, oh, like they don't think about it and they just like, I'll call them in the afternoon. Yeah. But that's been built up through your relationship with them of like, this is when Cole is available to like take stuff. Right. And it's just been baked into how you've done that's work cool. with them since the beginning, you know? Yeah. Ideally. <laughs> I might implement that. That's, that's pretty sweet. Have you guys, um, have you guys heard of grayscaling your phone? Yes. Is your phone grayscaled? Uh, no, but it is, I've thought about it. I have not heard of it's that. Very, it's Basically, it makes your phone a black phone. and white and you're less, you're less um, prone to scroll and like do stuff because colors like, oh. subconsciously like, you know, provoke I, you to continue to I use like your phone. I like that. It's, dude. Is your life changed by that? Well, I'm not great at it. Because or are you colorblind? That'd be crazy. <laughs> you're like you actually, change your phone to grayscale. Actually, and you're like, it my, whole, look any my whole life is grayscale. Actually, I just realized. <laughs> wow, you find out you're colorblind because you went to grayscale your phone. Yeah, and yeah. nothing changed, dude. Imagine. <laughs> Sorry. That's like, anyways, un, that's like revealing a truth you didn't want to know. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, shoot, <laughs> dang it! I thought this whole time I was seeing color. It um, no, the grayscale thing. I don't know if people have had other have felt the same effect, but like similarly to working, working out, like I can actually feel it. I can't really explain it to you. Like I can mm. feel it in my brain. Like this, the dopamine, like the dopamine just isn't there. It's like looking at a page of a book instead of like an iPad screen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it, it, mm. I mean, it drastically, I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. Wait, how do I do it though? Is there a setting? It's yeah, it's a couple clicks, a couple different settings, but um, you basically just make a short. I just made a shortcut that I can do a triple click, and then it goes to color. Mm. Um, do you find yourself switching back to color a lot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my phone was in. I changed it to grayscale just to show you, so it was in color. But um, I'm also, yeah, I'm trying to be as off the grid as I can be. Mm-hmm for a lot of reasons. So I don't have a, a very big social media presence. Mm-hmm. I haven't had, I've gone on Instagram a handful of times this year, but I haven't had Instagram for, I don't know, two or three years now and Twitter and Facebook. And I'm trying my hardest to clear all that out because I think it funnels and uh, uh, just instant gratification. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a paper on the effects in college, the effects of marijuana um, compared to Instagram. Mm. It's pretty startling. Just like marijuana's probably better for you. It's just like, yeah, it's the, <laughs> yeah. it's just the, the, Instagram. the yeah. dopamine like releases that these platforms give. And I, yeah, they've but, like, they've, they know it too. Yeah. It's it, like actually kind of evil how they've engineered it to mm-hmm. like manipulate you. Have you seen the social dilemma? Or I the, have not. I haven't. I know what it is. You haven't. I haven't. You have is to it a watch documentary it about what you just yeah, talked it's about on Netflix. It's interviewing the people that design these things that have exited the business. It's like it's like research based. Like yeah. it's crazy. But anyway, um, borderline hypnosis. I just yeah. I I'm trying my best to stay off of those platforms. The one that gets me hung up is YouTube. Mm-hmm. I love YouTube and the shorts. They're could, so addicting. They're so addicting. It's insane how addicting it is. Yeah. Um, so I don't have YouTube outlet. on my phone and I, whenever I do, I will waste an hour a day on shorts. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> I love that's the, just the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the honesty. It's it is pretty crazy. Um, and then you think about like as efficiency people, you're like, dang, an hour. What could I do in an no, hour? Yeah. Then, I so it's is, like when like video games give you like a uh, amount of time played. <laughs> it like oh, really yeah. makes me like turn like, off the video. Sixty five hours. <laughs> Freak. Yeah. <laughs> I have a immediately could have so, taken a vacation for that time along with like. We should write a book on like all these little productivity things, but I have a, my phone, like I have screen time set up to like basically turn my phone into a potato from like <laughs> 9 PM to like 7 AM. I just imagine like pulling your phone into a potato. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> but it basically, so I also, you can set up screen time to limit specific apps. So I have all social apps limited to one hour every day, but that's for all of them. So Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube are the ones that I have on my phone. So every time I open one, screen time is uh, tracking how long I'm in the app. And once it hits an hour, they Pops. all like, <laughs> yeah, they all sh- like shut down. And if you want them, you have to enter the passcode, which I have my mom set up and I don't know what the passcode is. So wow. I literally can't, I can't get it. I love that. And that's the same thing for, so when 9 PM rolls around, even more apps like it's basically only text and call and like facetime like my email shuts off like at 9 p.m too so like everything takes a break but and i can't change it so it's literally like turning my phone into a dumb phone every day which is a really the way they've done that is really awesome because like a lot of people probably wish they had a dumb phone but they're like well what about gps and then, well, what about this? It's like, you can control that now. There's no exactly. excuse. Like, like you can, I, I always have access. Like to you can maps. always have maps up. Like, like yeah. I, I always, so it's literally called always probably allow. like find, so find my, find like my, maps, my bank emergency stuff. Yeah. Like my bank account. Uh, Dude, maps. This, is, this is great. So like you can really tailor it to like, along with deleting the apps, like you can disable the app store too. Like I had that for a while, so I couldn't even download any apps to like put it back on my phone. Because you can delete it, hard lock the app store along with other things, and then you literally cannot access it. If That's somebody called else setting yourself up for success, by the way, not just like based off of willpower. Right. You're like, I know that I'm not strong, so I'm going to like... Yeah, like, and it's I, less I need that to think about. So It's interesting you bring that up because I thought about getting a flip phone mm-hmm. for a while, but there's a there's a drastic opportunity cost like in doing that. It just, you talk about efficiency. I just, right now, today, I can't justify uh, forms of communication, like having my email on my phone and GPS, things like that. I, but, I deleted my email off my phone altogether. Oh, and really? I just check it twice a day. Mm-hmm. Um, As I get an email. <laughs> there, yeah. There's a, uh, um, there's a concept of like batch checking yeah. stuff of like, you don't do laundry like one sock at a time. So why are you living out of your yeah. inbox like one email at a time? You know, well, like obviously there's time sensitive things. Like but. I guess like what do you, how fast do you want to respond to an email? Well, okay. So this is, I mean, it's important to know. Great question. Right now, dude, I had this yesterday. I love that you asked this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like, well, I do know right now it's urgently. Like I'm trying to be on top of my email. Um, but I don't know if that's right. Well, I, I've heard like, I've heard different things. I think um, for me, I try to get back to emails within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, that's a great boundary. Within 24 hours and f- phone calls and texts, um, probably a little sooner. Yeah. 
um, trying to keep as much business on an email as I can. Um, so even if you need to check email more often than twice a day, if you do it three times a day, yeah, uh, and always respond when you read it. Because yeah. what I do is I read it and then it's in, on forget. my mind for an hour and then I forget to respond or I don't respond anyways. Yeah. I just It just distracted me. I don't actually respond right. until that time versus if I've got five emails and I sit and I check them all, I can actually respond to them and then I can turn it off and yeah. I can move on with my life. And yeah. also like marking things as unread, <laughs> like both in your oh inbox, but also text. The fact that we can do that now. I showed Josh actually when we were in the airport. He didn't know that you could mark text as unread and iMessage and it like blew his mind. Yeah. Because <laughs> I use it all the time. Like, you know, like with if you the read iOS, a text, you can you can mark it back as unread. That's a thing that they updated in iOS. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you not know that? No, I don't even have the new iOS, I don't think. Well, open up iMessage and if you take a message in one of your threads and you swipe it to the right. So don't swipe it to the left like you're going to delete, delete it. it right? Swipe it to the right and it'll be a blue thing. You tap that little blue guy and it marks it as unread. Whoa, I almost just deleted it. You could also press and hold it and then hit mark as unread. Yes. 3D touch it. We're also now of a sudden we're becoming a podcast where we just drop a bunch of tech tips. We've yeah. avoided this for two years. This I love but this it. is good. <laughs> this is like my favorite thing is like all this tech optimization. Yeah. <laughs> and then the idea of like... Um, we just totally sidetracked, but whatever, who cares is our yeah. show. Um, <laughs> like what's, what's the word for like um, the type of communication that like is, it's not like Slack threads. It's like a, a asynchronous, asynchronous communication, which is like an email. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But like for us, we work on notion a lot, which is like an open, it's not open source, but it's, um, no, it's like a, it's like a productivity app where you can do like to-do lists and checklists and it's very, the options are limitless. We have like automations and like forms that you can connect to it and stuff like that. But like we can comment at each other mm -hmm. and tag them and then you get a notification there versus like, key and we text because it's like, I, it's on, open on my computer and like yeah, we same. just, we hit each other up. But with yeah. like other people that we work with, like keeping work on a notion board, like saves so much time mm -hmm. and like you answer right away and stuff like that it also so. doesn't pull you out of your work again yeah. like edits or something it's like if i get a why i'm like responding to like we tried slack for a little while it was pain yeah. but we also didn't use it like how it's intended to be used which is like a multitasking tool that just sucks productivity from the life of <laughs> i feel like teams some people's whole it, jobs so. are communication so like we're balancing communication with like with like work yeah. productivity <laughs> right so but I turned my phone into a potato. <laughs> I can't get over that. That's the. I'm also, in, I'm just visualizing Cole popping open Instagram, and he knows that like he's on a timer, so it's just like, <laughs> it's like sweet thirty second Instagram check. I was just gonna say, what if they limited how many swipes? It's like you get thirty oh, yeah. swipes. You're like, dude, that's you're that's like gonna be the you do new like model. You do like one, and it's like ching, there's like a thing, and it's like two out of thirty, and then you do like another one, it's like three out of thirty. That's gonna be the new oh, model. Like, is like you subscribe based on swipes. And like you, it's like a dollar a swipe or something. Like. Okay. So this is what's crazy. And this will be my last thought on this. It is crazy to see. So I think that our generation lumping everybody in this room together has, has consumed the changes of technology and are now realizing like what powers it has. But now we're being sandwiched between two generations that are going through it. And it is wild. Like the generation above us, like, parents and then also the children 
are like almost experiencing it in a more heavy way. Mm-hmm. I heard a story, um, somebody who was like a youth uh, small group leader, like had the kids take their phone away. And like one of the girls, little like younger girls was like having a panic attack. That's so crazy. Which like is not good at all. But it, the reason I bring it up is it's it's very interesting. Like, Is that a tool of the devil? Social media. A tool of the devil? Like, or like I mean, the fact that you got it taken away and you had a panic attack. Like, it's, it's such a distraction. And that's what the devil does is he distracts us. And he wants us to have anxiety and fear and like panic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, yeah. I'm not saying like, I wouldn't put it Satan, I'm not saying there's Satan in your phone, but he's using them. Mm-hmm. We'll say that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Turn your phones into be potatoes. in control. Be in control. You look over. I just crack my phone. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just picturing a cartoon where like I'm picturing a phone carved out of a like on the face of a potato skin. I'm picturing a, a cartoon where you pull your phone out and then there's like a clock on the wall behind them and it like strikes <laughs> nine and then the phone just poofs into a potato. <laughs> Oh man. And then he goes and plants it in the backyard. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> throws it in the ground. Well, um, we could keep co- talking, but we should probably wrap this up. Um, yeah. thank you so much to quick water coffee for the yeah. coffee today. Thanks um, Steven sponsoring the show. Check it out. Rockford, Michigan, downtown. Go say hi to Steven and go get some amazing coffee. We're drinking day spring today. It's his blend. Yeah. Daily driver blend. It's super good. You're welcome, Stephen, for the amazing episode. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, But thank you for supporting us and making these crazy wild conversations happen. Yeah. Um, Thank you to Josh at Local Legend Recording for letting us us record here, as always, Mm -hmm. um, in this comfortable, awesome space. Yes. Um, Thanks, Blake, for coming on. Thank you, Blake. Thank thank you all for listening. Mm -hmm. Um, Our coffee is officially gone. It is. And we'll continue these crazy conversations without the microphone. Mm -hmm. I love it. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. See y'all later.